Hey, it's Cam. Welcome back to another episode of This Might Be Helpful, and I sincerely hope that it is. I believe that this will at least be helpful for me. I know it's been a long time since I've been on here doing this, and I thank you for your patience. I took a little hiatus, embraced the chaotic nature of my current circumstance, and decided to roll with that energy. And I've been engaging with life in a way that allows me to come here and show up in a more comprehensive manner. Basically, what I'm saying is I got some restoration in. But before the restoration was frantic engagement, spending lots of time with people that encourage you and enable you to engage with life and reality on a deeper level. Um, the type of level that does in itself restore and rejuvenate you. The type of rest that is not passive, but active. Because humans are like hand crank generators. We have all the energy we need, but we gotta get it cranking over. We gotta get it started. And the pendulum has to swing. Hence the name of this episode. And I've already got distracted, and by now you probably know that that is the nature of me. I start these podcasts with some things in mind that I do want to cover, at least speak out loud so that I can gain further clarity from them. Because you got to get it out if you do want to express it. And it is helpful to have people around you that facilitate that expression. People that disagree or find further insights, further layers and folds to the reality of what you're talking about. So... If you hear some peripheral noise today, it's because I'm in the forest of the Beartooth Mountains. There's a river over there, trees, oddly still. I was going to say swaying in the breeze, but they're quite meditative and stoic in their presence right now. Um, the audio may be a little bit lo-fi because I'm using a mobile recorder because I needed to get out. I needed to get out because disruption creates innovation. And the easiest way to disrupt things is to change your environment because the environment that you are in will shape the thoughts that are floating through the space that is you, your consciousness. And being in a forest, that forest bathing, there's so much organic stimuli to bring in so much data. And it's a good practice to go and immerse yourself in the experience, in the forest, in the river, in the mountains, in the ocean, in what it is that we came from, what it is that we are. It's important to immerse yourself in it because it helps to temper the ego, temper the anxiety, temper the response to the pressure of society, Hey. Eh? When you get out here, it offers recalibration. It offers an escape back to reality, which is what we need. And when it comes to tempering that ego, we need to learn how to use our intuition, right? And intuition and ego, I think, are often mistaken for each other. And the way that I look at it, the way I think I've expressed on here before, is that the ego is like a lens filtering your external reality into 
personal relevancy. Filters in the data so that you can make sense of things in a way that matters to you. It is a protective mechanism. It is an ambitious mechanism. The ego speaks in justifications. The ego speaks in disregardings of guilt and shame. The ego speaks in the language of thoughts. And the language of thoughts can be pretty limiting and parameter, just patterns, loops, repetitions, the aspects of self that are automated. 95% of our thoughts, habits, actions, and reactions are automated. And the ego helps to filter that. I'm not saying it's good nor bad. It just is. But becoming aware of it can help you recognize the patterns that are driving our behavior and our existence and make alterations here and there if you think you need to. And I think we all need to become aware of the pattern so that we can find a point in which we can modulate that pattern. Because it's easier to modulate an existing habit than to create a new one entirely. And our intuition, it doesn't speak in words. It doesn't speak in a language, so to speak. It's more like a, a pulsation, a solar flare of quantum conscious energy that infuses you for a moment. And if you try and apply too many words and linguistics and categorizations and descriptions to that intuition, the further away you get from where that intuition was trying to lead you. And so I'm practicing being very aware of when my ego is giving me reasons to do something or reasons not to do something. Because your intuition is silent amidst all that noise and the ego can be very loud. And it is, you know, it's a protective mechanism. As we grew up and we were incredibly imprintable, just fertile ground for imprinting upon the patterns of those around us. The first time we encounter every circumstance, whether it be rejection or fear or guilt or shame or being called out or getting in trouble or being excited, in those first circumstances, we had an automatic response. And that response was to protect us or to perpetuate what you're experiencing. And when these different versions of selves come out, the self that comes out when you are tired and frustrated, the self that comes out when you are under stress, the self that comes out when you don't have any energy to care, the self that comes out when you are dejected and lonely, and those selves come out as a form of protection, but they were never taught. They were shown and they were shown by another ego that was shown and shown. And it's just a repetition of installed mimicry that continues in its chain, its shackles throughout familial lines. And unless it's broken, it will continue. Break the pattern or the loop will begin again tomorrow. So what does your intuition tell you? Have you been aware of how it communicates with you? Have you been aware of how it can feel when you 
go against your intuition, when you allow the justifications or the peer pressure to take over and influence your decisions. If you can't decide, it might be a no. If you spend that much time deliberating, but of course, saying no in the complete absence of yes leads to a stagnant life. And that's no fun. We are moving creatures. We need to move. And that's what I've been doing lately. So I'm glad to be back. And I'm glad that I took the time off to think and consolidate thoughts. Not that these thoughts seem consolidated. They're probably pretty scattered. But we'll get there. I needed to take time off to honestly engage and indulge the inner child. I've come back to Montana after almost four years of being away. And they were four significant years. They always are. In that time, I worked hard. I worked diligently, usually not intelligently. I'm still very much learning the aspects of productivity and efficiency and allocation of time and attention as resources. But I learned a lot about what is possible and what I can do. But for something to be created, something needs to be destroyed. Creation requires destruction. In order for something to survive, something has to fail. And so in this time of hyper-frenzied work mode, unbridled ambition, which I'm grateful for in the end, because I enjoy the process. But in that time, I lost touch with the inner child. I lost touch with the part of me that wants to be in the dirt, wants to take measured risks, wants to do dangerous things safely, wants to put all ambition aside and only be present the inner child that didn't need to try and be present, just always was. And I never really considered how important that was to me personally until the last few days. So at the beginning of August, I flew to LA with my incredible partner and fiance, Brooke. She's not really in the social realm, so I tend to keep aspects of our relationship and our personal life personal. As you might have noticed, this podcast is the only place I really talk about myself um, because I don't feel like I'm going on social media to talk about myself. I rarely do. I've been on Instagram for years, um, but for most of that time I was a photographer. Still am a photographer. And I never had a single photo of myself. Granted, I was also too self-conscious and anxious to allow my writing to flourish. Spend way too long overthinking captions, la da 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 But it was always about the work. It was always about the creation. Without necessarily the attachment to the creation. But, you know, sharing what you love, Right. And when I got on social media now and I do what I do, I 
know that if I brought myself into it, it may make it more relatable. And I will practice on doing that too. But I can't remember where I heard this quote, but the best teacher is the one that protects you from their own influence. And Bruce Lee, if you focus on the finger pointing at the moon, you will miss all of its heavenly glory. It's not about me. It's about what some of these words may prompt, act as a catalyst for your own thoughts. All of these truths are a signpost to the truth. And the truth is not something that you ever find truly. It's the paradoxical nature of all things. In order for anything to be simple, it has to be infinitely complex. And everything is infinitely complex, and that makes it simple. Because you can't hope to know it all. You cannot hope to know the truth of all things, of you. You are the truth. You are what is happening right now. You are no different from the trees and the rivers and the animals and the tectonic plates and the tsunamis and the waves that emanate out of a wake of a boat in a pond, whatever. You know, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying that when you look around, when you immerse yourself in the earth, the resonance, the harmonics of reality, deeply surrendering to what this is, you may find that you come from it and then you learn to become it and then you go back into it. You get folded in with the rest because reality is folding in on itself in its perpetual state of expansion and we for a very fleeting moment emanate, manifest from this universal body to experience the gift of consciousness, contribute to that collective consciousness, become a unique algorithm, which we all are. And then we go back into it and we get folded in. And all of those folds, they contain truths. And as you get to one side of the truth, one side of that reality, and it folds in on itself, that truth meets its beginning again, which is also its end. And thus the paradox continues. Life is paradoxical and everything is as important as you make it. The harder you try and hold on to time, the faster it slips through your fingers. The more desperate you are for love, the more distanced you become from what it is and what you are and why you are. The more you try and define your experience, the less clear it becomes. And within all of these non-answers and uncertainties, there is comfort and solace to be found. So I went to LA with my gal and LA is LA. I'm sure you've heard about it. It's the most brilliant exposition a 
reflection of something crumbling but growing. It is Kardashian-level opulence juxtaposed with abject human suffering. And within that spectrum, within the friction of millions of people learning how to adapt as what they're involved in becomes too much. Figuring out how to live together within that friction, there is innovation and creativity and expression and growth and a desire for people to have good lives. But how do you reconcile what you're seeing when the collective movement is so scattered and in the wind? When you see this human suffering, these celestial aspects of consciousness wrapped up in the turmoil and violence and volatility of a biological supercomputer that was blocked every step of the way. When you see these people on the streets and the mental health is beyond difficult to even comprehend, to even look at this spectrum of human experience that you almost need to shield your eyes from because there's nothing the individual can do besides do their best and interact with intention and compassion. And do you do that to make you feel good or is it to really make them feel good? The ego loves when you give stuff away, when you act altruistically but it doesn't make a dent. So how do you reconcile that? Are we supposed to use these examples of misery to inject gratitude into our lives? To be grateful that we are not them, that I have a home, that I have friends and family and support and love? Do I use it as an aspect of gratitude? gratitude must be the path but there is selfish gratitude I'm not saying it's good nor bad I'm just expressing something selfish gratitude is the oh thank God I'm not him thank God I'm not them I think in these moments we just have to inject compassion balance out the gratitude that we may automatically feel when we see somebody in a less fortunate position than us and in terms of what you project to them and your perspective and interpretation of them you just send compassion love but is this just the spiritual equivalent of me saying give me a like and a prayer and I'll save her arm I don't know. Anyway, L.A. was great because it, um, it clarified things. And if you believe that things are always in a state of being clarified, then they might be. But after Brooke went back to Australia, my, my best buds, Joe, 
arrived in LA and we hit the town together. Joe is the man behind a lot of what I've done and why I've done it. And he does his best to keep me on track and support me. And he manages all the social media stuff and it's fantastic because I know what I want to do and he knows what he wants to do for at least for now. And we're working together anyway. He packed us full of meetings and we were doing the Hollywood thing. Never in my life did I ever think that I would be going to LA to make it. And I wasn't because I, I do not feel like I am in a position of lack. I do not feel like I need the opportunities. And every single person we met was so helpful and just organically collaborative and interested and really sweet. It was really nice. It was really nice. And I'm grateful for that. Incredibly grateful. And I went into it with no expectations. Um, just the intention to meet and connect. Because connecting is important. And I was met with you know, a few comments about how I must move to L.A., that's where all the opportunities are. Absolutely not. I will do it my way. Humbly, with the advice and counsel and mentorship of others, but you must disregard everything at the end of the day because everything formats itself into lines of thought, binary code, ones and zeros that justify and provide reason for your ego, right? Whereas the intuition doesn't speak with words. And all of the advice and, and data and information that is fed into your supercomputer through mentorship and communication. When I say mentorship, I don't just mean the conventional uh, projection of mentorship, which is a higher and a lower and meeting in the middle and the young Padawan learning as much as he can from his master. I mean, mentorship as in finding the mentor and every person you speak about speak to, I mean, you don't have to, but everyone has something to teach, even if they're not aware that they do or that they are teaching it information and data everywhere and you're just feeding it all into your quantum computer and that quantum computer utilizes your neural pathways the interconnectedness of 100 billion neurons and their trillions of synaptic connections to formulate predictions in every single circumstance that's what anxiety is it's a quantum computation of every single outcome that could occur down this pathway and it's like a tree like roots like lightning that branches out and keeps computing and so is optimism. So is just looking around and being curious. And the more curious you are, the more computing your computer does. And the more computing your computer does, the more it sees. The more it can see. And a lot of us don't like to shift the, or admit that we can shift the computational nature of this prototype. Because you can shift your thinking. 
You just, you can. It's really important that you don't trust the projection of self that you sense when you're in a negative mindset or a depressed mood. Don't trust those voices. Don't indulge them. Manually recalibrate. Go outside. Take a walk. Immerse yourself in the human experience. Feel your muscles contract as you walk along a trail or a road or a field. <laughs> There's so much to be aware of. And the more you are aware of what is involved in this moment right here, right now, the more you can slip into that state of being, that state of nothing, just being, not trying to be something, not trying to be somewhere, just being. Another way you can manually recalibrate is by doing dangerous things safely. Hire a guide. Go rafting, go rock climbing, go ride a bike, go sailing, do something wild, something disruptive. It will create new computations, new patterns of thought that will emerge from your computer that you can hold on to and perpetuate. Your brain is incredibly plastic. It can do anything. It can grow. And if you do not think that you can change your thoughts, then that is the first place that you must start. You must analyze it. Does me saying that you can decide to live a happier life trigger an emotional inflammation? That happiness is a choice, the choice to engage. And that medicine should be used not as the one thing, but as a part of the formula of self-growth that medicine can help you feel good enough to engage. And when you do, you keep engaging and you build out a set of behavioral antidepressants, good habits, that make your baseline a better place to be. So happiness is a choice you can choose to engage. Peace is a choice. So I'm just moving because I'm getting baked by the sun right now. Apologies for all of the movement. I'll probably cut this out anyway. Happiness requires engagement. Peace requires stillness. Discomfort expands your boundaries. And rest allows you to grow into those boundaries. Creativity is the mapping of expression and growth that allows you to translate the ethereal nature of a thought into something tangible and real and disruption can perpetuate all of that. It is good. And if you have the mindset that you benefit from change, volatility and uncertainty, you will benefit from all of those things. Sometimes in order to see the beauty of things, you need to think of them in a beautiful way. And when you come across difficult, challenging, uncomfortable circumstances that you don't think you can do or that you don't think you can recover from, then it's your job to ask yourself, how is this benefiting me? How is this one of the best things that could have happened to me? 
feed the computer the prompt. Let the computer compute. You are consciousness and you can direct the trajectory of all of this if you, if you decide to do so. If you can manually recalibrate. Computers need constant updating. Operating software is always being refined. And things get clogged up. We have to instigate and cultivate time and rhythms so that we can ride with the flow of things and discover more of what this universe has to offer because life is moving through you. You are life. You are a continuous, never broken chain of existence. And it has all led to you. You are the purpose. You are the question. You are the answer. You are it all. There is no distinction. But sometimes you got to go deep to find that. You have to maybe rent a raft with your buddies, access some psilocybe cubensis, float through the Alberton Gorge of Western Montana and travel to the core of where it started. That's what I do. That's what I did. My best friends and I rented a raft and guided down the Alberton Gorge. And it was the most absurdly magical, divine experience I've ever had, maybe. I can't think of any other experience that was that profound in its connection, drawing you into what it means to be. This river cuts through a mountain, exposes you to how that mountain started. Volcanic flows, magma congealing and collecting, reflecting elements of the universe back at you without the dust and decay that comes with the passage of time. You're exposed to this heart this vein full of minerals and metals, full of history, full of everything that you are. And you look up at some of these cliff faces and the areas of rock slides, as it's sheared away the cliff, you see the sedimentary layers of existence, a direct look into the past while still in the present because all of the elements that the past was comprised of are still here, just slightly rearranged. Everything that exists and has ever existed and will ever exist already exists. All of the resources you could possibly need are right here. You just gotta rearrange them sometimes and it starts with your thoughts. So, went to LA, did that whole thing, came back, got straight in the river working for my father. And that's been a experience. I love him deeply. But there are just patterns that he's not aware of and um, timing your words can be challenging. Finding that moment of receptivity when that person is more likely to engage with what you're saying without the 
excitable nature of the ego flaring up to protect that person from what you're saying. But it's difficult living right now and working with my dad. Um, just because usually we go back to Montana. I'm only here for a couple months a year, so I live with them. But we're all going through changes and practicing patience and being thoughtful and deliberate with your words and the intention behind them and how you say them and how you know they impact you allows for more mindful communication where everybody can express how they feel and what their needs are. And allowing your computer to mull over what that person has said and making adjustments where you need to. It's what community is, it's what this strange intersection of algorithms is. Where computers learning how to be friends. So I guess that wraps it up for today's podcast. I know I've rambled and I probably didn't cover a lot of the things I wanted to say or needed to say, but I'm sure I'll say them eventually. Um, we were all over the place here. In terms of what I am doing next, if you are still here, I thank you. I'm grateful for you. I really, really am. And I will be launching a Patreon soon, providing as much value as I can, um, monetizing these things so that I can continue to do them because in a short while I will be due to go back to nursing. And in order to come here and do this, I need greater capacity and I will cultivate it. So the Patreon is launching soon. I'm going to be doing a lot more photography. I will be traveling around Australia, getting into some public speaking gigs. Maybe I'll see you there. The book club will be launched likely the end of October, just because I am being realistically ambitious about when, what one can achieve within a given timeline. And I want to provide real value. I don't want to do anything half-assed for anybody here. Because I, I don't want to be doing brand deals. I really don't. Unless they are someone, something that I really resonate with and really use. But the problem is I don't use anything. Obviously I'm wearing clothes, but that's not what I talk about. <laughs> the last thing I want to do is be perpetuating further materialism. The point of what I'm doing here is to provide some kind of guidance to that self, that aspect of existence in which you do not need anything, a state of equanimity where you are not pushing anything away or pulling anything closer. You're on the leading edge, right between balance and sustenance and sustainability and excitability and passion. And that wraps it up, folks. I love you, thank you, and I will talk to you soon. Oh, and if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave me a review. It means a lot. <laughs>